Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, Associate Producer and Starista's Creative Copy Manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ meet Lorene Aseo, founder and CEO of Nutrition Corporation. She shares how her father's health was the wake-up call that helped her found a company that's working to redefine fast food, and why showing up is so important right now. Vincent learns about persistence, and AJ battles 100-degree weather. Give it a listen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Another episode of The Marketing Stir. I am your host, the Vice President of B2B Products, Mr. Vincent Petrofessa from Starista. If you know, for those of you who know us already, uh, Starista is an identity marketing company. We help companies get new customers through various channels of marketing, keep your current customers, enrichment, all of that good stuff. With me, as always, is my co-host, my co-pilot, the CEO of Starista, Mr. A.J. Gupta. What's going on, A.J.? Hey, Vincent. Uh, this weekend, I found out the hard way that the uh, pandemic has had an effect on my uh, uh, ability to play tennis as well as to sustain myself in 100-degree weather. So it's uh, I'll, be, uh, I'll be spending a little bit more time exercising from now on. Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but you brought it up. So uh, I'm glad that it happened. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're in great shape. Uh, that's actually a great segue, AJ, about exercise, nutrition, because during this pandemic, as you know, uh, the, the viewers, uh, listeners, excuse me, viewers were not on television yet. I'm kidding. But we, I, my wife and I, we had a new child. And with that, being in a pandemic and I'm snacking more. I feel like the sympathy weight is, is, is coming on and you constantly point that out to me, but I, uh, you know, it's, it's time. We were just talking the other day about, all right, we have to make a change. My wife is like, I got to lose this baby weight. I'm like, you look amazing. <laughs> all that crazy stuff, but it, it's about nutrition. It's about exercising. I have to get back into it today. We have a very special guest. We have a the first guest of ours we've had people on the 30 under 30 list a random marketing 30 under 30 list but we've also been on 40 under 40 list ourselves aj but we've never had anyone on the forbes 30 under 30 list we'd like to give a warm welcome to the marketing stir the ceo and founder of nutrition corporation Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Laureen Aseo. What's going on, Laureen? Hi, thank you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's great to great to have you. So nice to to meet you. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, you are the founder and CEO of Nourish, uh, Nutrition Corporation. Excuse me. Uh, talk to me about that. To, when did you found the company? And you're only 28 years old. And I'm just curious to see, you were you always into nutrition? How did this come about? Yeah, so I am 28 years old. So I started the company 10 years ago, which sounds like a long time ago, but it's really flown by. Um, so I was 18 years old when I started. 
out of my one bedroom apartment. And at the time I was going to school, um, I've always really been interested in business and entrepreneurship. And I think that's something that's just been in my blood, um, you know, from my father being in multiple businesses and things like that. And so, you know, growing up, we would always talk about it, talk about our motivations and what we want to do. So originally I wanted to go to school for apparel manufacturing and business management. And I was really interested in starting a line of sustainable clothing. Um, While I was going to school towards the tail end, my father had some really shocking news regarding his health. I think that, you know, we all saw that he, you know, had a couple extra pounds on him. But when you see someone day in, day out, and you just like love them exactly how they are, I don't think you realize um, how deep rooted of an issue, you know, being overweight or, you know, obesity actually can have on someone's health. So got some news. He had really high cholesterol, really high, just everything. Um, And the doctor told him that if he didn't make a huge change pretty much immediately, um, we probably wouldn't, you know, have him with us any longer in the next year. Um, And at the time, you know, being young, I have a sister, a younger sister, um, an older brother, you know, my dad really wanted to make that change. So it came down to nutrition. Um, It came down to changing his eating habits. We're originally French. Um, My parents immigrated here about 32 years ago now. Um, And the the way of eating between Europe and here is so different. Um, The processed food is so different. The accessibility to bad ingredients in processed food is just so easy. Um, And that's where we come down to, you know, fast food and redefining it. But anyway, it's just a circle back. He got on this really great eating plan that we did. Um, You know, my family and I would cook for him. He went plant-based, lost 85 pounds in six months, um, obviously coupled with exercise as well. And that's kind of how the company started. Um, People started noticing, asking if the same could be done for them. And that's how I started cooking out of my one bedroom apartment and doing, you know, little routes for myself and things like that on the weekends. Um, because during the week I was finishing up college and, um, yeah, so that's pretty much how it started. Wow. So 18 years old, you're kind of thinking, you're already thinking, you know, I want to, you know, be in business. I want to start, start a business and kind of change the way apparel and that manufacturing aspect of the business is done. But then, you know, switch gears because of of your father. And, you know, I have a lot of questions about that because, you know, I'm uh, my family's from Europe. The food there from Italy, so rich, especially France. The the food is amazing. It's so rich. A, that must have been a challenge to try to get your dad switched over to, uh, you know, healthy cuisine. I'll talk about that in a moment, but let's uh, let's back up there. So did you always have a love? of nutrition or even cooking or that just this incident with your dad just kind of, you know, spawn that? I have definitely always had a love for cooking. Um, I think nutrition and just like really understanding what you put in your body is something that comes after. Um, if it's not something that you're taught from a young age, I think that our bodies know what's good and what's bad, what makes us feel good and what makes us feel bad. But like growing up in a European household, like I'm sure you can relate to fully is it's centered around food. Um, My parents always cooked for us. We always sat at the table. I never once had a meal in my bedroom. Um, If I was home on the weekends, we sat down for lunch. If I wanted to go to a friend's house, it was fine. But as long as we had dinner first. And so 
I think like European culture is just so centered around food and cooking and it's like what brings us all together. And so that's why beyond the nutrition part of it, I'm such a believer in food and, you know, almost like the values that come behind food and how important it is to share a meal, um, you know, with a significant other or your children, or there's just such a special bonding moment that comes around food that I feel like is really looked over. And then of course, taking it one step further, the health aspect of things, like we always want to be our best. We always want to perform to the best of our abilities. And that really plays a role in it too. So I think, you know, looking at the whole ingredients, um, you know, like you mentioned in Europe, like, yes, everything is rich and there are so many bold flavors, but at the same time, um, it's not as much processed food. Like the ingredients are so much cleaner and you look at the population, like the European population, whether it's in France or in Italy and the American population and the obesity rates are so different. And not to say that, you know, the French or the Italians eat any less because they don't. I was in Italy and we ate every 10 minutes, but we walked and we, you know, it's just a whole different vibe um, that we just don't have in the States. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I think it's, you know, you hope it's every culture thing, but the, as dysfunctional as my family was as a kid, dinner, we always ate together. And we talked and I had those Sunday dinners being Italian, like these huge meals. But you're right. It is something different over in Italy. I'm six foot one, 220 pounds, but I'm like the biggest person in Italy. Like when I went to Italy, they were showing me their passports because they thought I was a bouncer. I'm like, wait, what are you doing? I'm not that big of a person, but everyone's like thin. They're dressed beautifully anyway. But so, Laureen, take me through the process of now. It's been 10 years now. Talk to me about when you decided, oh, okay, this could be a business. And then talk to me about how, you know, what nutrition corporation does a little bit about the meals they deliver. Uh, so those beginning years uh, when you started the business and a little bit about the product. Yeah. So, um, you know, our main brand is fresh and lean. Um, and so that's what you'll find online and what you can get delivered to you. Um, the, when I first started and people started kind of reaching out and I was doing out of my apartment, I realized, uh, you know, pretty quickly that it could be a good business idea. I think that at the time there was, it was kind of a, a weird notion to get your meals delivered to you, um, or to get them mailed to you, I should say. And I think that there were some people in the game doing it, but we were definitely one of the first ones out there. Um, and now you look around and there's so many different meal prep companies, which is, you know, great. Uh, it shows that there's a market and a real need for it. And seeing the evolution of the marketplace and the business um, since I started has been really, really great as well. Um, I would say in the beginning, it was tough, you know, never raised any outside capital, um, still to this day, um, have never raised a penny. Everything that we've been able to do has been, you know, through really, really hard work, just guerrilla style in the trenches. Um, and it was tough for many, many years. I think that a lot of times people don't, and especially nowadays, you know, people are starting companies and raising a lot of money and whether it goes well or it doesn't for you, it's just, everyone's on a different journey. Um, I chose to go, you know, this route, which, 
had many of its challenges. It definitely uh, built character <laughs> um, or a backbone or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it was hard for a long time, but now being on the other side, um, you know, I'm so grateful and so lucky that we were able to persevere and had a lot of really great people along the way, um, employees that have been with me still to this day for like six years. And sometimes we reminisce about, Hey, remember like, you know, those times. And now we look at where we are now and it's just a a very rewarding, um, process. Hey, that's wonderful to hear. Uh, much like you. Uh, We didn't raise any money for about 10 years, so we actually for the first time raised capital uh, last uh, last month, and doing so from a position of strength is a lot lot different than companies that do it right up front. Absolutely. Uh, So I was curious, you know, you're in a uh, competitive space uh, with some very well-funded competitors, so what are you doing on the uh, marketing side and branding side to make yourself stand out? I think it comes down to the product. Um, You know, one of the things that we never compromise on is the product. I, I will always say that there's a bunch of companies out there that are direct competitors that say, oh, it's healthy. Oh, it's fuel for your body and things like that. Um, And then you turn the meal over and it's not, you know, there's a lot of compromises being done with the integrity of the ingredients um, and things like that. So that's one thing that we never do and that I haven't done since day one. I think, the ingredients are number one, the meals are number one. We want to provide what we advertise, what we market. Um, The other thing is, is that we've done a really good job, I think, targeting who our audience is um, and doing a lot of research. You know, my brother um, is actually head of the marketing department um, and he has done a really great job throughout the years, just diagnosing and going through all the data points everything that we put up has been tested. Um, everything that we say has been tested and just how do we navigate it? Um, and so I think research is huge. I think that staying consistent is huge. And I think that really knowing, you know, who we are and what we're selling, um, has been really big for us as well. And it's taken shape, you know, but the beginning and going back to, um, you know, fresh and lean versus ion and like the, I guess this will help the timeline a little bit. Like when I first started the company, it was fresh and lean and it was vegan. Um, it was a hundred percent vegan. And that was just going off of, you know, my dad's journey and, and what really helped him. And at the beginning I thought, you know, we're really selling health. And the truth is, is that we're really selling convenience and health is just an added bonus. It's like a cherry on the, on this healthy cake that we're, uh, that we're building over here. Um, And through that, we realized, okay, vegan is a very like small segment of the population um, as much as we thought it would be a little bit different. But what is a big segment of the population is people wanting healthy, convenient, nutrient-dense food. So that's when we started ION. um, And ION Nutrition became like our performance line for animal protein meals, um, anything from the paleo to the protein plus um, and beyond. And, you know, going down, talking about marketing, which I'm sure you guys know a lot about this is like we had two identities um, and with no outside funding, really doing guerrilla style marketing, like trying to boost up two different platforms. And that's when we had to come together and say, okay, this isn't going to work. It's not really working for us. And we just can't spread ourselves so thin. So 
we put everything under Fresh and Lean and Ion became more of like Fresh and Lean's performance line, kind of like, you know, the AMG to Mercedes. Um, and so that's one big thing that we've been doing internally is navigating those two things and saying, okay, what works and what doesn't and how do we use what we have and really catapult it um, to get it in front of as many people as possible. And ultimately, you know, we want to be a household name just like anybody else. Got it. That makes a lot of sense to me from a marketing perspective, especially without outside funding. It makes sense to double down on a single brand. And uh, so my question for you is, uh, you know, in terms of testing and uh, sounds like you guys do quite a bit of the data-driven marketing portion, are there platforms that you're finding more success in like Facebook or Instagram or programmatic would love to understand what your mix looks like? Yeah. I mean, we utilize all of it and, you know, full transparency, like I said, this is a hundred percent on marketing is not my expertise. Um, I am a like way more on the operations side. Um, you know, when building a company and I'm sure like, you know, a lot about this as well, you got to get people in to do things that are so much better than you. <laughs> and that's where, you know, my brother comes into the picture on the marketing side and really understanding exactly what our needs are and what we're doing. Um, and so I, I look to him a lot for, you know, his expertise and in, in what he's doing and how we're, and how we're handling things. So, you know, we are on Instagram, we are on Facebook, we do a lot of um, retargeting, um, through Google and, and, you know, our organic searches. And a lot of what we've been doing is SEO. Um, that was a huge horse that we bet on from the beginning that looked to be extremely beneficial for us, um, especially from a low cost standpoint, not having a lot of money to push towards marketing. And now things are switching more. So now that we're growing and we have more you know, resources to put towards marketing, him and his team are really starting to ramp up in a way that in the previous years, um, you know, we never had done before. And I think, you know, last time we were looking at it in, and it's funny, we laugh about it because companies spend millions and millions of dollars on marketing every year. I think from conception. So in 2010, up until maybe last year, um, we spent like, I don't know, under $500,000, total on marketing. It was like just so gorilla bare boned um, creativeness just to try to get the name out there without spending, you know, a bunch of money. And now we're just so thankful that we're able to, you know, utilize our resources to do some really exciting things. But yeah, it's all it's been a interesting ride for sure. Hey, nothing better than organic marketing. So I'm sure your brother is doing a fantastic job there. Yeah, definitely. And then on the operations side, I don't know a whole lot about uh, the uh, operations in a food business, but uh, I'm sure a lot of our viewers would love to understand, you know, how do you keep the food fresh? Uh, do you use a uh, somebody else to ship? Would uh, love to kind of get the nitty gritty of how the preparation is done and how things are shipped and how do you keep it fresh? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we do everything in-house. Um, we actually are based out in Anaheim, California. Um, we have our headquarters over here. And within our headquarters, we have 
our uh, manufacturing like kitchen facility um, that I actually built from scratch. So that was really neat. About two years ago when we built into, when we, sorry, came into this building, I was able to do something that I had dreamt about um, for years and years, which is build um, a kitchen that was suited to our manufacturing needs. Um, one of the things that I focused on from day one was like, how, how do we scale um, and how do we build a model that's scalable at the drop of a hat? You know, how do we build something in the manufacturing world that's like plug and play? Uh, I think, and this is one thing that my dad, excuse me, uh, taught me from the very, very beginning is don't think about now think about the future. Like he always told me people's biggest mistakes is not thinking about what happens like when it's successful. You know, I think, and that's something that um, we really focused on, not to say that I knew 10 years ago that I would be, you know, where we are now, but it was always ingrained in me to like, think about the future, think about how, you know, how you're going to scale this business. So with that being said, I was able to, which has been was a dream come true, build um, a full manufacturing kitchen here. We have um, our production here. So everything flows from kitchen being made from scratch into our production, um, which is where we portion all the trays. We throw them through our machines um, and the machines vacuum seal. So everything we do is vacuum sealed in the tray um, to preserve shelf life. We don't use any additives, any preservatives. Um, like I mentioned, everything is made from scratch. And we have a really rigorous QA process and um, a QA team that follows it every step in the way to make sure that our food safety is always on point. Um, and then our pick and pack is also here. Um, so we have a pick and pack facility that picks all the orders um, for all of our direct to consumer and all of our retail um, customers. And then it flows out. So everything is done in house and um, there's a lot of different, it's like a big puzzle, I always say, and there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, but it's, um, it's definitely cool. And Laureen, you know, really the direct to consumer, the, that initiative or that goal has always, is, hasn't been around that long. It's become popular the last few years, but you kind of saw this vision 10 years ago. Uh, did you kind of, did you always foresee this kind of being this big craze of everything direct to consumer subscription based? Talk to me about that. Well, I think that we can all thank Amazon for that. Um, and mm -hmm. that's yep. the thing I talk about all the time, like the concept of mailing something, whether it's food or your toilet paper or your paper towels, it's like, it was kind of taboo until Amazon Prime, where now you can get anything you ever could dream of on Amazon delivered to you next day. And I think that was a game changer for our segment of the market, because like I said, in the beginning, people were like, wait, what? You're going to mail me my food? Like, that sounds crazy to me. Um, and now we're such like an instant gratification society that it's like, oh, you're going to mail me my food? Great. Oh, I want it tomorrow? Awesome. And if you know we can't get that fast service, we disconnect as people. Um, and so it's been really great. No, did I ever see it being to this point? I mean, to an extent, no. Um, did I think that ultimately we were going to get here? I think yes. But to what extent, I wasn't so sure until this like craze of needing things now, um, down to your like toothbrush and toothpaste, 
um, happened and now we just expect it. Um, and so I think like the mindset in the past 10 years has completely shifted um, into what we are now. And it goes so much beyond, um, you know, receiving goods. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, now I, I never thought, and I want to talk to you about how the, you know, the coronavirus has changed your business, uh, the better, the, the uh, you know, for, for worse in some ways, if you, if you felt it. But you're right, you know, even now it's forced me to do uh, during this coronavirus is I have soap delivered now. <laughs> I have soap. I never thought I was like, oh, you know, oh, wait, I need soap with some of the stores. But during this time, Laureen, you know, because you're, you know, in, in the food service and the fresh food service, your your workers in the manufacturing are essential workers. So you're yeah. able to, you know, throughout this whole time. How has the experience been these last three to four months during the coronavirus? How has your business been affected? So I will say it's been an extremely humbling experience. Um, I think from the beginning, just the amount of gratitude um, that I have had to not even just be essential as a business, um, but be able to provide jobs to people that are my employees. Now, um, we hired a lot of people at the beginning, too, when a lot of people were losing their jobs, um, and we've been able to provide food um, to those who really need it. And I think this is a time where we see that, yeah, you know, on a day to day, we provide our food to people. A lot of people, it's just for convenience reasons, but we have people who are really sick, who are battling different things, who are on different journeys in their life. But to be able to, and again, like a very small part, in my opinion, because there's so many people doing such great things out there um, for our country during this pandemic. Um but when this all happened and, you know, I'm seeing a lot of businesses close down and a lot of people really struggle and we're able to not only stay open, but, you know, the business has, there's an increase in demand. The business has been growing like crazy. Um, it just really makes you stop and smell the roses a little bit and just, again, just beyond grateful to be in a position like this because I can't even imagine, um, you know, what other people are going through that weren't so um, you know, I, I call it lucky, um, but to be in a position like this. So I think it has a hundred percent opened our eyes to a lot of things. It's made us change the way that we do, um, a lot just in the manufacturing facility. Um, we've had to increase our security, our health checks, you know, everyone who comes in the door gets screened, they get their temperature taken, they have to fill out, um, you know, questionnaires to see if they've been exposed, if they have symptoms. If anyone had symptoms, they're asked to go home immediately. Um, you know, I extended uh, different pay um, things so that people aren't losing out just because they may be ill or have symptoms. And, you know, as a whole, one of the things that I really wanted to do for my employees who really stepped up during this whole thing, and it was scary. You know, I think at the beginning, a lot of people were scared and a lot of people didn't know what to do. But Nevertheless, you know, I think we band together as a company and as a team and, and really stayed strong during the whole thing. Um, I increased every wage by a dollar, um, you know, as much as I wanted to do a hazard type of pay to me, it didn't feel right for it to be so short term um, when this is really a long term solution and a long term journey that we're all on. Um, so I increased everybody's wages by a dollar company wide. Um, just to really kind of show my appreciation and how we're in it for the long run. So 
I would say it's it's been an adjustment. You know, I'm looking at my cameras right now in my office and I'm looking at our break room and we have place cards on the seat where it's like, no one can sit here. This is okay. No one sits here. This is okay. Um, and having to enforce face masks everywhere and extra hygiene and sanitation and janitorial. But all in all, I think it's definitely for the better. You can never be too safe. Well, yeah. And, and you kind of think about that where that's, you know, to keep up the the morale, if you will, uh, of businesses uh, is one thing is one thing. And I want to talk a little bit more about how you did that, but you're right. You're in a business where businesses now have to be, you know, extra hygienic. There's different rules and regulations. That's kind of tenfold, right? For a company that's dealing with food. So, I mean, what is that? You know, you've always been, you know, adhering to those rules, but like you said, elaborate a little bit about the extra steps you have to take now. And then throughout all this, Laureen, how do you keep up? Well, increasing everyone's salary, that's a great way uh, to do it. But how else, you know, to do, are you, uh, you know, boosting morale as, as a CEO during these times? I think so just to touch on the safety aspect of things, like you said, we are inspected um, by multiple government agencies. So as a food manufacturing company, um, we always adhere to really strict like quality and food safety um, and sanitation and hygiene is one of them. You know, we uh, just go through so much in terms of, you know, our QA process. We have a full sanitation team. We have our janitors. We have all of these things. But when this happened, like we definitely took it up a notch. We increased the staff. We have them, you know, sanitizing doorknobs every hour. We have them, you know, going through and um, cleaning the break room every 15 minutes Um, on the machines. You know, we have to space people out. We can't have people standing so close to each other, Um, changing the way that we do breaks. You know, we want to limit the amount of people that are in the break room at the same time. So now instead of doing, let's say, two breaks. We're doing four breaks um, throughout the shift to make sure that it's safe um, when people are gathering with each other, Um, you know, going through, making sure everyone's wearing their mask and providing a mask. You know, if you don't have one, we have them um, and we'll give them to you. Making sure that everyone has their gloves, making sure that there's sanitation station where you can, you know, put the hand sanitizer um, and so on and so forth. So, there's all of these like little changes that we had to make, but just because, you know, the Corona COVID-19 might end soon, I don't think that it means that we need to stop doing those things. I think that, like I said, you can never be too safe. You can never be too healthy. And ultimately our customers really count on us to provide them with a safe product. Um, and so it's really been an eye opener on what we've had to do, but we a hundred percent will continue to do so, um, because it's only beneficial. That's great. We've been fortunate that, uh, we, we, we can work remotely and most of what we do happens online or in digital. So we've been able to, uh, get away without having to go in, but, uh, you have, uh, you certainly have your hands full as do a lot of other businesses who have to be on site. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's one thing, like even for me, like I've been here every single day. And I think that through all of this, for me, it's important that my team sees that we are a family and that we are in this together. I think that it would send a very poor message if the CEO and the founder of the company was at home, you know, working while I'm asking people to be here and to, you know, feel confident in what we're doing and 
and providing that essential um, food to others. Um, so I think that that's helped a lot too. Like I want to be here, um, with everybody and, and I, you know, continue to do so. Um, and also constant communication. I think that it's important for them to see that their hard work, um, is appreciated and their hard work is going to people, um, who actually need it, who can't leave their house because their health is at risk. And, um, so we've been sharing, you know, a lot of those stories with the team and, really keeping them in the loop on everything we're doing and constant communication. And, you know, I think a little goes a long way, um, especially during these times of uncertainty. Yeah, that's great that you're leading from front. I think uh, any good CEO shouldn't make or ask their employees to do something they're not willing to do themselves. So that's Absolutely. Awesome. So, you know, it seems like you're running a great company and you've uh, uh, learned a lot of things on the job. And uh, for me, just uh, being you know, starting my company, similar age, a little bit later than you, but was figuring out uh, that we had county taxes and city taxes and all of these other things that you won't know until you run a business. So I was curious, have there been people that uh, have helped you along the way or that you lean on for general business guidance? Absolutely. Um, you know, my father is a big one. Um, he's a huge mentor to me and he has been since day one. I think we talk probably six times a day, um, you know, just to say hi, or, you know, if I, if I have a question or I need advice or I'm not sure I'm torn, um, he has just been so instrumental in, in everything, um, you know, really from day one, but he's, you know, my biggest cheerleader, he's my best friend and, really someone that I can turn to. So he's been really helpful. Um, I've also, you know, I have people on the team that, like I said, are experts in what they do. And I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend like I know everything um, because I absolutely do not. And at the same time, you know, just really learning along the way. I have grown so much as a person um, and just like my knowledge and different things like that I had no idea when I started. And some of those learning uh, some of that came from making mistakes and, you know, it's costly and I can't, you can't afford to make costly mistakes when, um, you don't have a lot of money behind you and you learn very, very quickly. Um, and then the other is just like being thoughtful and doing research and asking around and, um, just really trying to figure out, you know, what's best and what's to do and what is best to do in certain situ situations, excuse me. Um, but I would say that, you know, starting at 18, fresh out of school, never running a business, a manufacturing business or anything like that, um, to today, I think that the lessons are just, you know, they're everywhere. And, um, yeah, I've just, I, I can, I constantly learn, um, every single day, but it's definitely been a lot, um, from then to now. Yeah, and do you get uh, time to do anything else right now besides running the business? Are there things that uh, you love doing that you can make time for? Well, I'm a huge homebody um, and when I'm not at work, which is like really my first home. So I go to my second home, <laughs> which is my house, and I'm a big animal person. Um, I have horses. I grew up around horses, so I'm big in equestrian. They're really like grounding to me, and that's how I kind of de-stress, so um, you know, when I'm not here, I like to spend time with my horses. I like to ride. I have goats. Um, so I like to hang out with my goats, which sounds <laughs> funny. 
Um, but, and I have a dog. And so I, you know, I just like being in nature. I think that's kind of my Zen point. And I love being with my animals, my family. Um, I like to travel on the weekends when I can and, and try new food. So, um, you know, that's, that's what I really try to focus on is, uh, is how to kind of keep my spirits up and grounded. And I think that really comes from me, um, with my animals and, and nature. Cool. I would love to learn more about how you ended up with goats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something you'll never hear me say in New York city. I was like, Oh, I'm just hanging out with some goats. That's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it it actually was very random how I ended up with goats. I I if I would probably be an animal hoarder if I didn't have like my dad every second being like, no, you don't need that. Like, no, you don't need that. Um, and so I had a friend who I went to her house and she had her goats there, and she said, oh, you know, this one's about to give birth, and immediately my mind went to baby goats, like who doesn't love baby goats? And she emailed me one day and said, Hey, my goat just had babies. Do you want some? And if you know me, you know that immediately I said yes. And I ended up with two goats, um, who just, I take on walks and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I can just imagine, I was picturing a a couple of goats uh, on a leash, like, or just not a leash, but like just walking down the street. Wow. It's really funny. They they don't come home. They don't go on leashes, but they (laughs) follow me like a dog. So I walk around like my property um, and they just follow behind me and they're so funny and they have so much personality. I never knew that goats were like this, um, but they really are like dogs. And it's, it's just, it's hilarious. I just think that animals are such a gift to us and they're so humbling. Uh, It's just, it's been a really funny um, experience with them. (laughs) And do you keep them indoors or do they stay outside? They, so I live in an area where there's a lot of like predators, like coyotes and mountain lions and things like that. So during the night, I keep them in, um, in a stall, like where my horses are, like in a barn. Um, and then during the day, I open it up for them and they can kind of run around. I, I got to say, this is one of the cooler things we have had on a podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I could already see uh, our producer's wheels turning about the title of this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's what I like to do on my um, spare time. <laughs> That's awesome. So do you get a lot of uh, emails from marketers uh, selling you products or services? I do. Um, I do. Yeah. So I usually forward them over um, to my brother and then he can do with them um, what he pleases. But yeah, I think as we grow, um, we definitely get a lot more emails from people selling different services. So one of the questions we like to ask our guests is, uh, what are some of the uh, pet peeves you have about marketing messages you get and uh, what are some of the things that work on you that uh, you do respond to? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. Um, I think that the messaging, sometimes I get some that are, you know, more cut and dry um, and sometimes people get really creative and I like to see the ones that come through and are really creative or they, you know, say a joke or there's like a funny tagline to get um, someone's attention. And I will say that persistence is key, just like anything else in life. 
Um, but I definitely will look more so at the ones who come through my inbox with like a very bold subject line or, you know, a message, um, that's funny, uh, or entertaining. And, and so, yeah. And then of course, you know, persistence, if someone is, you know, resending and resending after a while, I have to respect the hustle. Ah, that's, uh, you know, that is a different advice than we received. I like that. I like the funny aspect of it, you know, and, but the persistence that that's a different take on it. You know, there's a lot of people are like, look, if I haven't responded after like six times, just, you know, just beat it, Bill. Like, uh, but that's good. I like, I like that aspect of it. Cause we do have a lot of people in sales and a lot of people in marketing, of course, who do reach out to this. And as AJ mentioned, it's, it's really, uh, we have a lot of C-level on it's like, what, what gets the CEO and founder of a company to respond yeah. back. And now that's, that, that's and you know, awesome. I have a big component uh, of that too. So I think persistence is key in anything you do. That's awesome. Uh, Laureen, talk a little bit about the, you know, uh, for our listeners, some of the meal plans that you have, what, 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 what could they expect if they go there? Different options. Yeah. So we have, um, pretty much anything that, uh, you can think of. We try to be really versatile, um, to meet people's diets just because so many people have different things that they're either eating or they're trying to stay away from. Um, so we have fully plant-based meal plans. We have keto, which is really big right now. Uh, we have paleo, which is essentially a low carb, um, high protein meal plan. And then something, excuse me, that we call balanced, um, or protein plus, which is really, you know, equal parts, grain, veggie protein. Um, and then in addition to that, we have our bulk program, which we sell, you know, a pound of chicken or a pound of rice or a pound of veggies um, for those who are really looking to customize their macros or maybe a meal plan isn't giving you the exact amount of protein that you want for that day so you can grab another piece of chicken um, and cut it up for yourself and enjoy it that way. So we try um, to really follow the trends and see what people are doing and then offer enough variety for someone to come on and really you know, see exactly what they need, um, for their bodies. And what we really push is, you know, we're good fuel for your body, just like anything else, you know, you can't expect a Ferrari to run, um, without the proper fuel. Right. And that's really what we're doing for our bodies. We want to be high performance. It doesn't matter what you do. You don't need to be an athlete to, you know, treat yourself like one, um, so that we can just all be our best every day. I have to ask you this. What's your uh, favorite food or favorite cuisine? That's a tough one um, because I'm, I love everything. Uh, I'm a huge food person. So I love everything from, you know, Italian food to, you know, French food. I love Indian food. I love Japanese. It's a really, it's a toss up for me really to like pinpoint exactly what I love. Um, there's just so many, like, I think food is one of those things that we take for granted. Um, we have access to so many different cultures, so many different types of food and, and really diving into like why, you know, people eat the way they do. Like it's very complex. So it's really hard for me to answer that question. Um, because I just, I love everything. 
I'm the same way. There's not really a food I don't like. In, you know, living in New York City, I, I'm so anxious to have all these restaurants come oh, back because it's really one of the one of the reasons you live in New York City is you can walk down the street and there's like 11 Ethiopian mm-hmm. restaurants. I'm like, I don't even know what cuisine that is, but I'm gonna try it. So that's awesome, uh, Laureen. How's Dad doing? I just want to ask that. How is he? You know, is he still keeping that weight off? Is he is he healthy? Oh my gosh, he's healthier than I am. He's crazy yeah, yeah. He's 63 <laughs> now and he works out like six days a week he's still a very very strict vegan um and he started intermittent fasting about a year and a half ago and he's just like the badge of excuse me a badge of health like i look at him and people always say how do you look younger every time i see you <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so he's, he's great. And we're all very, very thankful that he's still with us and healthy. And yeah, uh, yeah he's great. That's awesome. And then, you know, as, as we begin to wrap up here, the, you know, I'm sure you heard this question before 10 years, where, where do you see the company going in 10 years yourself? Talk to me about that. So I think one of the big things that we're working towards is of course, being a household name. I think in our mission to redefine fast food, I think that comes with accessibility. Um, we want Fresh and Lean to be accessible within five miles of anywhere you are or you know, two days from ordering it or less. Um, so one of the things that I really focus on is diversification, and it has been since day one. I don't only want to be a direct-to-consumer company. Um, so I opened some, our own retail location uh, a couple years ago. I'm about to open two more by the end of the year. Um, we're branching out into retail. So we're in Whole Foods um, and we're in you know other local markets and we're expanding it as well this year. So I think just getting ourselves in front of as many people as possible, but really pushing the mission um, and educating people. And, and I think that's just really the key for us. That's awesome. You know, it, it's really refreshing to hear that in, you're expanding and opening businesses where, you know, where so many of them what would have to close during this time. So that is very refreshing to hear. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the company Fresh and Lean, it's uh, fresh, the letter N, lean.com. There's a variety of different, uh, you know, meal plans. Looks like you have some great introductory offers and deals going on right now. So everyone, please take a look at that. Uh, Laureen, this has been awesome. You know, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, is is there any way that if people do want to reach out to you, uh, follow you on social media, is that you, you better come at her with a funny comment <laughs> and email her 11 times or else <laughs> she won't get back to you. But where could people also uh, find you? Um, you can follow me on Instagram, just at Lorena Sayo um, or on LinkedIn. You can find me there. And yeah, I'm working on my Instagram the- presence. I feel like I've been in a cave for 10 years and I'm trying to, you know, give people something that they might want to follow. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, Hey, you know, you start posting pictures of yeah. horses and goats. I'm going to follow <laughs> you walking goats walking down the street. That's a great way to get, you know, pe- people's attention, but you know, this is, this is great. Can, you know, congrats uh, on the success there. Uh, that's fresh and lean.com. Everyone. Uh, she is Laureen Aseo. Uh, the CEO and founder 
Uh, Lorraine, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to check it out myself because I've been meaning to do something uh, about it. Uh, so thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. This has been The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. We will talk soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening.